Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. There's the music. And welcome back to the South End Zone, brought to you by Belly Up Sports. I'm your host, Jason Bailey. I apparently don't know how to operate my own podcast because uh, you're staring at my face for a few seconds before the music kicked in. Uh, Eric, what's going on, man? I'm with Eric Mulher, as always. Eric, what's happening, dude? How was your weekend slash early week? Oh, you know, the, the usual. Not much going on in the college football world. Definitely didn't spend all day scrolling Twitter this afternoon. Um <laughs> the usual. Yeah, no news of any kind in the college football world that's you know worth looking at whatsoever. But uh, we're going to dive into it tonight. We're going to recap the national championship for a little bit. But you know, I got to say, Eric, before we dive into that, if you would have told me that Michigan's win over Washington in the national championship would not be the biggest news of the week, I would not have <laughs> agreed with you. Yeah, I mean, it seems like chances are pretty remote. Um, it's like, oh, yeah, the national championship game is going to be essentially forgotten about three days later. Uh, yeah, I haven't heard one thing about it today. Not right. one. Yeah, I, I haven't even really thought about it today other than, oh, yeah, we need to talk about this tonight. Um, <laughs> it's pretty interesting. But yeah, but, you know, when when things like what happened happen, uh, it, 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 it goes front and center uh, deservedly. Indeed. And for those of you who have been living under a rock, uh, Nick Saban retires from Alabama and we will get into all of that and we'll give you our takes on it and uh, maybe talk about some potential candidates and guys who have already kind of backed out of the race or bowed out, if you will. So we'll get into all that. And then something that just broke, we'll talk about towards the end of the show, Eric. Uh, Looks like Florida State might be uh, in a little bit of trouble here. I I don't didn't Saw see that one, coming. I, I didn't either. I hadn't heard anything about um, about this, and it's kind of odd. Um, but yeah, if anyone doesn't know and is watching live, uh, apparently the NCAA uh, cares about enforcing NIL rules now, uh, which I didn't realize was a thing. Weird. Yeah. So we'll we'll uh, we'll dive into that towards the end of the show. I haven't even read the story yet. Uh, I'll sort of just you know read it as we go on and try to get a good handle on it before we talk about it at the end of the show. But let's dive into the national championship uh, quickly and go over some of that. Uh, 34 to 13 final, I believe. Yep. What it was. Yeah, 34-13. So Michigan wins it all. Uh, Eric, I want to I get your take on this first before I have mine. Um, I, I've got my, – my thoughts are pretty short and sweet, so I want to get your take first. Okay. So – General thoughts, I mean, this sort of looked like, I I don't know what to make of this. If, like, Michigan is just that good that they throw teams off balance so much, or if it's just happenstance that 
Alabama and then Washington both played subpar games. Does that make sense? Oh, it does. I, I think I know what you're asking. I think the answer is yes. I think they are that good. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I guess kind of felt so comparing um, the, the Michigan Alabama game to what I thought could happen in the, the game against Washington. I maybe still, even after they were so good up front on defense, maybe sold them a little short and leaned back towards, well, you know, Alabama's had pass protection issues all year. They've given up a shitload of sacks all season um, and kind of defaulted more towards maybe Alabama just didn't play well up front as opposed to, I think Michigan is just that good and they just kick their ass. Yeah. Um, So I kind of viewed Michigan's defense as Texas, but with better secondary. I, I didn't think they were that much better than Texas would be up front. And Washington handled Texas, especially in the interior. They handled Texas fine up front. Uh, yeah, they game. didn't. Yeah, they didn't touch Michael Penix all night. Yeah, and, and it was Michigan it, was all over him. Yeah, it was a drastically different story um, in the Michigan. Game. I think they were just that good, and the secondary is better. Washington had some chances, uh, missed a couple. You know, they had a, a touchdown to a Dunze that they just missed through the wrong side of him. He thought he was going to break out. He broke in. Um, they had a long pass play in the early fourth quarter that got called back on a just awful holding call. Um, yeah, rel- relative to you know a lot of the other plays in that game that that got let go. I, yeah, you know, we talked about got, it. Got basically got his jersey tore off. And yeah, we talked about it last it, week. Either <laughs> either call none of them or call all of them. Yeah. Um, you know, it gets problematic when you call some and not others, mm-hmm. especially a spot like that. But um. Yeah, kind of the same story as the Rose Bowl. Uh, Michigan was just the far superior team up front, or at least played the far superior game up front, and really didn't ever give Michael Penix a chance to kind of get settled in and get to a rhythm and really hit those those deep shots. And you know, then Michigan gets the ball on the ground and really kind of did whatever they wanted um, for the first quarter and a half. And almost by then, it feels like, well, now you're playing catch up and. Yeah, Washington, well, to their credit, did a good job of adjusting their their front alignment so that that cutback lane isn't there for a forty yard run anymore. Um, well, I, too little. I, to I, I'm not going to be as nice about it as you are. Washington got their ass handed to them, and the game, frankly, could have been a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it was 34 to 13, and Michigan put it away in the fourth quarter with 14 points, but they rushed for 303 yards on the ground. Yeah. In my opinion, they could have rushed for close to four bills because they went away from the run there for a little bit. middle of the game. They sort of, I mean, they did, they just killed them on that counter play with the cutback lane, um, yeah. the first two possessions. And then, Washington basically rolled the strong side linebacker over the tight end instead of inside the tackle and back um, yeah. and then sort of covered that new gap with the safety. So they took that away. And once they took that away, Michigan can either keep trying to pound it or adjust maybe runs to the, the weak side or throw the ball. And they elected to throw the ball. They weren't very effective doing so. Um, <laughs> yeah. Are they ever? Yeah. I, I <laughs> 
I was surprised Washington didn't kind of come out with that plan to begin with, right? Yeah. Loading up the run. And if JJ McCarthy beats you, then he beats you. Like that's just, you know, God's plan or whatever, but <laughs> you can live with that. Yeah. But I, I, I just, I, I was surprised that Michigan kind of got away from the run there for a while because they just, like I said, I feel like they could have run for 400 yards on them. It, I should have looked at it closer before the game that Washington had the 80th ranked run defense. I should have looked at that beforehand yeah, a little closer. I mean, they're very middle of the road. Um, yeah. Because Michigan did whatever they wanted. On yeah. The just defensively run or pass. They were, they weren't great by any stretch. Um, yeah. And Michael Penix looked like, not Michael Penix. He looked like he sort of looked in the back half of the season when he was banged up a little bit. Right, right after that Oregon, first Oregon game. Yeah, and he just looked off balance and just had guys in his face and couldn't. I mean, he missed some throws. You know, he didn't. He yeah. didn't play. He didn't play particularly well. He had about fifty percent completion. And when you've got Adunze and Polk, and you can only complete fifty percent of your passes, that would mean you need to lean on the run game, and they could not run the ball. Period, Mm-mm. and that's sort of what they ran in against Texas. They they didn't have to run the ball; they could just right. torch. They Texas threw for defense. you know four forty or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but when I wouldn't run it either. But when you can't do that, it's going to get ugly. And like I say, honestly, I think it. Uh, I just, you know, I I talked to somebody earlier, and uh, I'll reveal that in a little bit who it was. But she made a great point. She said, "I, I have a hard time watching Washington, thinking that this is one of the two best teams in the country." I don't know. It just well, sure. I mean, and, but maybe. I mean, we've had plenty of title games that were three touchdown affairs where right. you don't walk away thinking, well, you know, this team that got blown out, maybe they weren't all that good to be like. Uh, I mean, Clemson that one year just dragged Alabama, but yeah. I don't think anyone's like, okay, well, maybe Alabama isn't. This is a little different because they they did have so many close calls. They they weren't. Mm-hmm you know, wire to wire dominant game in game out. They won a lot of one score games, a lot of tough games credit to them for pulling those out and making those plays. But um, that's different from, from winning handily uh, on a routine basis. So, I I mean, there's maybe something to that. I don't know. There's, they're kind of in that pool. And I think this is, comes back to a whole separate discussion on, uh, you know, NIL and portal and maybe some of the parody it's brought, um, towards the top end of the sport, but there's pool, maybe five or six teams where, you know, you could make a case that they are, or they aren't, you know, one of the two or three best teams in the country. Well, what she pointed out, and I tend to agree is that bottom line, it was just, it was, I, I get it's the system and whatever, but it was egregious that Georgia wasn't there watching yeah. that game. I felt like Georgia was a better team than Washington by far and would have been a much better matchup. And, we don't get to see it because they lost Alabama and all that, and I get it, but it is what it is. Yeah, I ch- I've chosen to take the stance like, okay, well, in- instead of, you know, I, I sort of look at it like, you know, Georgia had a playoff game and they lost it. Um, yeah, yeah. Really. and It's it a good makes, way to look at it. It's a little less of a bitter pill to swallow, uh, you know, with that approach. Like, it, they, they lost the one game they couldn't lose. Yeah, that's like, true. It's a good for, call. for as good as I think they are and how well I think they would have done against any of the four teams that did make it. It's tough to tough to say. Yep. So now at this point, Michigan is the national champion and now Michigan fans hold their breath and try to figure out whether or not Harbaugh will eject for the NFL or, you know, stick around and 
see what the sanctions are going to be for said investigation if there ever are any. We don't yeah. know. Um, apparently, Florida State has been the focus of the NCAA <laughs> instead of Michigan, which I yeah. I don't, so it's I don't, it's we'll get into it later. It's from something that happened in spring of 2022. For for reference on when we could expect anything, if at all, to happen. To, right. I, mean, I don't think that the NCAA would vacate. Um, I mean, what's the point of vacating? It? V- vacating well, right. is useless anyway. It's like vacating USC's championship in 04, right. 05. But like, yeah, it like okay, fine. You can, you can. The, yeah, the game was played. Reggie yeah, Bush you can, won. You can hit, what, hit the record books with whiteout or whatever. Like I saw yeah. what happened on the field. Yeah, like, who gives it? It's shit? not like Men in Black, right? You're not holding up. <laughs> yeah, no, they got away with it. Period. If they. If if something was egregious enough where they should be like should have been held out of a championship, whatever, it doesn't matter. They got away with it. They won it all. They had their parade and all that good stuff. So good for them. Good for Harbaugh. Congrats to Michigan faithful who have endured a lot of pain over the last 20 plus years. What was it? 26 years since their last title, I believe. Uh, 1997. Yeah, 96 or seven. Yeah, 97, I think. So yeah, they won the last championship before the bcs era i think so yeah a lot of uh, a lot of pain over the last 26 years or so for michigan fans so congrats to you guys and uh, enjoy the ride because it may be over before you know it because you might lose your coach and speaking of losing coaches mm-hmm. someone's gonna yeah my man nick saban <laughs> the greatest ever hung it up today at 4 p.m uh, well, or well, yes, yesterday. And man, I would like to preface all of this with, yes, I'm an Alabama fan and I get it, but I'm not butthurt about it. I felt like the timing was good. And ultimately I feel nothing but gratitude for this guy. Like, I mean, as a fan speaking for a moment, what a ride. I mean, 17 years, 16 years of which he won double digit games, just dominance. And mm-hmm. to the point where if it, you don't win a national championship, it's considered a failure. And in his, you know, 16 year run there, he won nine sec championships. The rest of the league combined won seven. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you, yeah, it's, he had the type can, of run can, where you can, you can, you have your, your choice, you know, like you can pick whichever insane, factoid or statistic you want like there's just a smorgasbord Um, yeah and so we're not we're not going to sit here and give you all the facts and the numbers and the crazy ridiculous records you can find those on espn pretty easily it's plastered all over the internet right Mm -hmm. now all of his accomplishments but what i would like to discuss uh number one you know you know how rosters work these days you know the transfer portal is opening back up for alabama players for 30 days um you know how recruiting works. Now I do know he was still on the phone today talking to players, trying to still recruit and say, Hey, don't leave. I'm still going to be here in some capacity. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. What I read, and I don't remember which of the various articles or tweets or TV interview or whatever, but basically he's, uh, him and the athletic director, both at the, the team meeting yesterday where he announced that he was retiring, both kind of implored all the players, hey, like, let let us get the new guy in, figure that out before you, you jump. You have 30 days. You're not, you know, required to go in there day one. I don't even know when day one is, if it's when he announces it or. I would think so, yeah. Or, if, I mean, or when they name the replacement. 
like when that starts, but really there was a, yeah, they got four weeks from yeah. basically yesterday. So think. they're asking, hey, just hold off, right? We get the new guy in and you talk to them and the new staff and you just then that's a whole different deal after the fact, right? But give us a chance, basically. And it sounds like that's uh, as well as what he was doing today. Pro- and he probably also is just a busybody and just couldn't stay away. Yeah. And so from your perspective, because I know you wrote a article about Saban in the offseason yep. about how, you know, has he won his na- last national title at Alabama? I did. And you had your takes and you I believe you said he had he had won his last one. I I I said if I had to bet, and it was close, but I would bet um that he had won his last one for yeah. a number of reasons, which I spelled out in the article. But a big one is I didn't think he was gonna I didn't expect him to retire seven months after I wrote that, but um, you know, he was under contract through like 2029 or something. I thought there was no shot. He's going to coach till he's 78. He's well, I thought he would go till like 2025. Um, Well, what sealed it for me was the conversation that he had with Kirby smart at midfield before the SEC championship. When smart said, try to enjoy it. You're a hell of a coach. Thanks for everything you did for me. I was like, oh, dude, this guy's hanging it up. He's done. Like, he's going to hang it up. That, yeah, a lot that's of people what, thought that, and it's, it's what, tough to not think that. Yeah, and that's what sealed it for me. You know, I was, I was sort of on the fence. Like, you know me, I've been pretty public about I think he's going to retire, but I didn't know for sure until I saw that, and I felt like that's it, man. That I, thought if, I thought if I thought if they won the national championships this year that he would retire. I did think that like going into the, sort of the postseason, um, I didn't necessarily expect him to retire if they didn't make the playoff or made the playoff and didn't win it. And I, when I saw that clip you're talking about, I kind of felt like, okay, well, whoever wins this game is going to get in, and if it's only one of them, whoever wins this game is probably going to win the title. Because uh, I did think those were the two best teams, so I think um, yeah. I kind of took it as he's sort of telling him sort of the same thing, like, okay, well, if you win today, you're going to go win the whole thing, and then you'll retire. Yeah, uh, which is sort of what I expected, but well, and I'm sure it was a tough decision to to retire when you have so many good key pieces coming back, and you yeah. just secured the number two recruiting class, and you know next year's a 12 team playoff and your chances of making the playoffs are much higher than they would be normally. And so I'm sure it was a tough decision for him, but I mean, he came out today on ESPN and said, look, basically it's my age. I can't grind 16 hours a day anymore. I just, I can't do it. It's tough and totally get it, man. The guy's my hell. He's my daddy's age. He's 72. You know, I mean, what are we talking about? He's not a spring chicken anymore. So I look at it like, Great ride. Thanks for everything you did. Great memories, all that stuff. Hell, even some life lessons. Like I learned an important lesson in life from that guy. Like he he told me, or not me, but he came out and said, focus on the shit that you can control mm-hmm. and everything else will take care of itself. And like I took that and like ran with it. And that was a great life lesson for me. And the countless amount of dudes that he's impacted over, you know, his 17 years of being there and even before when he was at LSU, you know, just anybody who's, you know, and to you Auburn fans, you shitheads who are rolling tumors corner, you know, little brother syndrome. If you're celebrating the greatest coach in the history of football, retire. Just don't understand football to me. Like you should not be happy 
that a guy of that magnitude is leaving the sport, I guess. I think they're just happy that he, you know, he's not going to be around to kick their ass for out of five years. I mean, my stepdad's an Auburn fan. His take on it was like, well, beating Alabama won't have the same sweetness if Saban's not there. True. It probably won't. Um, yeah. So that that's yeah. kind of the way I look at it. But, you know, it's like I said, little brother syndrome. It's weak. It's, a, it's just a weak thing to do. But nonetheless, so let's talk about some of the candidates. Uh, they, Dan Lanning and Norvell were two of the big names mentioned today. And two of have, them, yeah. And they have both seemingly sort of backed out of that race. Uh, Dan Lanning announced he's staying, and Norvell tweeted about how excited he is to be a Seminole. So, well, yeah, and it was kind of his standard, you know, I got a commitment from a transfer player tweet. Right. Um, and, you know, and on from, the surface from Alabama. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's Ferguson, uh, right? Yes. Correct. Yeah. Terrence Ferguson transferred from Alabama to Florida State. So that um, would make one think in conventional wisdom he's not going to Alabama. On the surface, yes, but, you know, Saban was interviewing assistant coaches, uh, potential assistant coaching hires yesterday morning. Yeah, and he was, so he had got I, done I, interviewing him at like 3.55. I mean, what are we talking about? I mean, I, I think, yeah, I think these guys a lot of times will do do the job they have until it's a, a no shit done deal. Um so would it shock me that, you know, Mike Norvell got a, a commitment from a player and is still <laughs> then, potentially going then, to Alabama? No, it wouldn't shock me at all. Yeah. Um, and then post deuces to go to the school he just left. That would be kind of funny. Something, yeah. So something I wanted to get your take on, because I talked to uh, somebody earlier about this, like say, oh, well, I can just announce that for now. We are sure. adding a third member to our show yeah. uh, on Twitter. You can find her, uh, Alexandra. Uh, Pissaric is how you say her name. I don't know what her Twitter handle is. I'll have to get that. But uh, old Miss fan, young girl, she's going to join the show and be part of our show starting next week. Uh, you know, we expect full time, but maybe part time. We'll see. Um, so she's an old Miss fan. So feel free to give her crap about that next week in the comments. Uh, <laughs> but nonetheless, I was talking to her earlier and she made a point about how you don't want to be the guy that follows Nick Saban. And I'm not necessarily in that camp. I know a lot of people say that, like you don't want to be the guy that follows the greatest ever, but I'm not in that camp because I don't think college football coaches really think like that. I think I don't that either. They're, they're like, I, no, and I, I get what she's, who, who was there. You know, I get what she's saying. And I think there is something to that in terms of, you know, you're walking into a really difficult situation and it's going to feel uh, sort of thankless, right? Because you immediately, just by virtue of where you're at and who you're replacing, have these sky high expectations, uh, rightly or wrongly. But like you, I don't think college football coaches are really wired that way. Yeah. Um. So, hold on a sec. I, I'm yeah, gonna feel, mute this because my dog is. Yeah. Feel free. Nuts. Go. Go take care of the dog. I can uh, vamp for a minute. So. Yeah, that's kind of what I my take is. It's like these coaches, they don't give a shit who the 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 guy was before him. Obviously, they've got respect for a guy like Saban. They respect what he did and all the success he had, but they want to make their own mark and they don't care. And a lot of guys wake up and think, "Shit, I'm just as good." You know, you think uh Kalen DeBoer or uh Dan Lanning 
or Mike Norvell is waking up saying, damn, I wish I was as good as say, but no, they're not. They're saying, fuck, if I had those kinds of resources, there's no telling what I could do. You know, there's a lot of guys in that camp, like take Mark Stoops, for instance. Think about if that guy had Alabama's resources. He's probably thinking to himself, fuck, what I could do with that. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? No, it does. Um, and before my dog went nuts because my son's trying to get into a door, which I didn't think was locked. Um, <laughs> Gotta love it. Yeah, I, I don't think college football coaches approach it as um, you know some impossible task. I think they all. Yeah, you have to have a a, a borderline arrogant, um, maybe even a touch of arrogance, sort of confidence to probably even do that job. I think there's a lot of guys who are like, yeah, I could, I could do that if I had what he had. Um, if I got the same type of, you know, backing and support, um, you know, you're still in a, you still have that brand, right? You still have that, that script a on your chest and you still are in that recruiting footprint. You still have those facilities and those resources and those boosters, um, you know, and every, everything you want. So, I don't think anyone's going to like go in there and go five and seven. It's just a matter of, do they go 10 and two or 12 and zero? And most college football coaches are confident to the point where, yeah, if I had all that, I could go, you know, 11 and one or 12 and zero, even in the sec. Mm. Well, so let's whether talk- they can or not, it's a whole different deal, but I, the majority yeah. of them believe they can. Yeah. So let's talk candidates for a moment. Like it, you know, put your, I'm going to put my fanhood aside here for a moment. Mm. Uh, who do you think their top target should be? And I guess, who do you think their top target that is a legitimate person they might be able to get should be? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, like, you know, obviously, Sarkeesian is the name that a lot of people are throwing out, but honestly, with Texas being in the SEC now, I think that's a better job than Alabama. And Texas has a bigger Brinks armored truck than Alabama. So, yeah, I mean, getting uh, Texas is like just about the last school you want to get into a bidding war with. Um, right. So, I, I don't think that's a, I think that's a wish list item. I don't necessarily think that's something that, yeah, I, I think that's a, hey, you call, but, um, yeah. you know, yeah, if so. he wants to go there, then he will. But if it's, if he is going to pit you against, Longhorn boosters, you're yeah. probably not going to win. win that one. That's, a, that's a tall order. Um, so, so no, Landing, on- Dan Landing was my initial, like, that's the guy they're going to go get. I don't care that he's got the $20 million buyout. If he's the guy they want, they won't think twice about that. Yeah. Um, and either they, that was a sticking point for them after all, or he is happy well, where he's at, or yeah, whatever. That's kind of what I read was that uh, Landing had. In addition to the $20 million buyout, there was some um, uh, branding buyouts, and I, it's Nike oh, money. And be, so yeah. I, I assume that it came down to a number, and the boosters didn't want to cut a check for it. And that's that's sort of what I read and what I took away from it was that the buyout plus the branding buyout money was too much of a pill to swallow. For In Alabama. addition to paying him, yeah. Right. So, so. – um, so as far as who's left, I, I mean, I'm sure they have called Steve Sarkeesian's agent. Yeah. Um, 
Well, Jimmy Sexton's the wild card in all this because the guy right. represents 13 of the 16 teams in the F- Right. The so, and that's what I was going to say is like every other person we would name, uh, they've also talked to his agent because it's all the same guy. Yeah. Um, so I guess DeBoer and Norvell are currently the two betting favorites for whatever that's worth. Um, well, and see that we talked I'm a little bit. I'm not sure how much information those are based on. We talked a little bit about DeBoer offline, you and I yep. did. And I'm in the camp of, I kind of lean away from dudes who don't have recruiting experience in the Southeast and, you know, have coached or recruited in the SEC because it's a different animal. It's just a different animal. I mean, he's been coaching and recruiting in the Pac-12 for two seasons. Now he's going to the Big Ten. He's losing a lot of his players. So from from your perspective, I, I agree that it would be the good time for him to jump yeah. To to a bigger job like Alabama. But from from a fan perspective, like I man, he's never coached or recruited the SEC. I kind of I'm kind of leery about that because No, the, he hasn't. But you know what he's done like on a continuous basis for 15 years? <laughs> win. One. <laughs> yeah, he does win a lot. Um, yeah, it's kind of the Kirk Signetti thing, you know, where they ask right, him yeah, what, what, just what's him. your What's your message? Well, Google me. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Type his lot. name into Wikipedia. Uh, yeah. um, it's all there, right? Uh, 65 and three or some just preposterous number. Um, Stupid, yeah. Yeah, so he's one. Uh, and if you kind of look at Alabama's roster and what Washington was doing this year. Um, yeah, I have no have, question. I have no question that DeBoer could light up the scoreboard with yeah. Jalen Milrow at the helm. You know, I don't, um, but it does, uh, you know, it does make you also looking at Washington all year. It does make you wonder like, okay, well, what would the defense look like? How, you know, there's going to be questions. There's no perfect candidate. Right. Um, right. Otherwise they'd have already had a press conference. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, winners win and that's what Alabama wants to do. Uh, I get the, the geographical piece. I'm not sure I find it to be as much of a hurdle as you do. Uh, Brian Kelly's done just fine so far. Yeah. Um, you know, there's other, other, I, I, I think I mentioned Gene Chizik in that text thread, which is sort of a poke, <laughs> right? I don't know that I really, <laughs> you know, him, no. him winning a title in his second year or third year or whatever was really more about one guy, but, um, yeah, DeBoer's one, and then Norvell, as you said, which I I think that's an underwhelming. Sure, what it's I just think an, that's just an underwhelming hire to me. I don't know. I mean, not why, to mention these. Why is it underwhelming? Me- the guy just went thirteen to zero in the ACC. It's a little different animal when you're in the SEC. Like, it's oh, just, okay, I get that, but like, but you dismiss it like it's. I'm not saying the guys. If it was bad. that easy to go 13 and 0 in the ACC, more teams would do it than every four years. Look, I'm not trying to poo-poo Norvell here. I don't want to. I don't want to be labeled with a moniker of this guy hates Mike Norvell. Not even remotely close. Yeah, because that one might get might get uncomfortable here in a day and a half. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. So I don't want to just sit here and poo-poo the guy and say he sucks because he doesn't. Obviously, he's a good football coach. To me. I look at Norvell like he he I don't want to say he's like mid but he's to me just above oh, that me. level like yeah. I I look at what he's done against premier competition since he's been there it's kind of 50-50 
you know, he had some really good wins, like uh, like the LSU win. You know, this oh, which year. one? The the first he beat him one. twice. Yeah, the first one. The, the I mean, the first one was a f- missed field goal in overtime that could have went either way. But I'm talking about this year where they mm-hmm. dominated LSU. Right. So he's had some good wins against premier competition. Obviously, he can recruit all those kinds of things. But what we haven't seen is him grinding it out in a fucking gauntlet schedule week to week. We've never seen that from him. I don't know how that would go. I mean, sure. Nobody's done that until they do it. That's fair. I don't know. I I look at like, like we we hadn't seen Nick Saban do it until he got to LSU and did it and won a national championship in his third season. Like I, I get what you're saying, but like, look at where Florida state was three years ago. Oh God, they were so bad. And then look at where they are now. And then like that, that didn't just fucking miracle itself. Like he did that. Well, my whole thing is, is where are they going to be next year? Because you look at where they are this year, how they did, whatever. Now, where are they going to be next year? Because one, they don't have a quarterback. I don't want to hear about DJU. He sucks. I've been watching him for three, four seasons. He's average at best. He's a decent quarterback, but he's not remotely in the same conversation as Jordan Travis, period. So they don't have a decent, they have a decent quarterback. They don't have a good one. All their big defensive studs are going to the NFL. Mm -hmm. Their offensive line eh, should be pretty good next year. Still, you know, I think they'll be okay up front still. Who's he? Who's DJ you going to throw the ball to? I don't know. We'll see. They're going to have to have some yeah, so losing. Yeah. Losing the two big receivers hurts. Uh, th- yeah. I mean, okay. Th- on so, the offensive line, they're still okay. At running back. They, right. And so that's my thing. Like their arrow right now to me is pointing down from mm, a 13 and 0 season. Well, okay. I, sure. But if you're going to try to replace a guy who consistently wins double digit games every single season, mm-hmm. you at least want a dude who has proven he can do close to that. And okay. I mean, this was Norvell's first big year. Like, basically, I think it's a year early for Norvell. Like, well, I mean, he, if Saban retired at the end of next season and Norvell had had back to back double digit win seasons, then I Norvell would say Norvell has back to back double digit win seasons right now. Bowl, bowl games don't count. I don't, they went nine okay, and three. Fair, fair they, enough. Yeah, they uh, went nine and three last year. So I, I don't count bowl games, but nonetheless, ACC, not the same. But to me, I don't want to sit here and say I would hate the hire. I just don't think it. I think it's underwhelming. That's all. Like, I don't think there's any way that he could maintain even close to that level of success. That's all I'm trying to say. That's just my opinion. Mm, Okay. Um, So those are the two. And then I still, uh, to get back to your original question, you know, like Dabo's, if you were now Al- Dabo's you, still out there. Um, I was going to say, if you were an Alabama fan, who would you want? Like, give me three names. Who's the three guys you want that you think maybe we could get? Those two and Dabo Swinney mm. would be the, the first three. Um, no love for Mark Stoops. Some love for Mark Stoops. But I just, I think that's my guy. That's who I would like to see. You know, I mean, I'd be fine with Dabo or whatever. If it's Norvell, fine. I don't care. <laughs> like, I I mean, there's the one question um, about Dabo Swinney, right? In terms of him coming somewhere like in Alabama. 
which is the, you know, is he going to change his worldview on NIL and the portal? Because that, you know, what he's done the last couple of years at Clemson would not necessarily fit with um, probably what they expect, right? He's willing to just ride with what he's got and assume that'll be good enough. I don't know that that's the case, but I, I mean, Stoops, yeah, it, he, he's done more with less for a number of years at a place like Kentucky. It's a hard place to win. Uh, yeah, you win double-digit games twice at Kentucky. That's impressive as shit. I don't care what – I mean, that's – it's impressive, period. So I'd love to see what that guy could do with a truckload of resources like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure – I guess everything we said about Mark Stoops when the A&M job came open I, applies here. So, you know, no my, my tune on him hasn't changed. Um you know, maybe he would be a better fit than a guy like Kalen DeBoer. I don't, I don't know, but well, he knows the SEC. He knows the landscape. You know, another guy that uh, absolutely no one has mentioned, and I think is kind of interesting. <laughs> somebody brought it up to my attention earlier. It was like nobody's talking about this guy. What do you think about this? And somebody said Drinkwitz from Mizzou. I was like, yeah, one. I think there's a reason no one's talking about that guy. That's what I said. I was like, one season of success. I mean, I think, I think drink wants to right where he needs to be, you know, making Mizzou competitive. That's, that's impressive. But I, I don't know that, uh, what those cover three dudes like to call the alpha nerd. That's what they call him. I don't know if he's ready yeah. for a job at Bama. That's just, I, I don't know. Um, the only other guy, uh, I don't know. I mean, the five, only other five guy six, that and I, six, six and six, and then 11 wins out kind of out of nowhere. Right. Um, the only other guy that I've heard brought up to my attention today by various people. And I cannot believe these words are coming out of my mouth that he would even be considered for it. But Deion Sanders, whatever. No, it's a hard note. You tell me you're the Alabama fan. I would, I would, I would think it is as concrete a no as you can imagine. Um, yeah, to me, I, I don't think they would be willing to go to a guy because what, what I thought was funny about Dion was that he tweeted out that you know the game's done gone and changed so much that we ran the goat out, and I'm yeah, like, ugh. you're the reason, like you, and the way you build your team. Tr- you know, 70 transfers out of your roster. That's the reason he's leaving. So like, don't sit there and be like, Oh, well, we've done change to run him off. And then damn, we need to take a hard look at college football. Yeah, we do stop doing what you're doing and maybe try to do it the way. Yeah, if someone took doing. a hard look at college football and, and kind of w- walked back some of these things and changed it just enough, like uh, how screwed would that guy be at Colorado? Yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, you know, you're in the the new age that Saban doesn't like. And, you know, good for you. You've embraced it. You're still a relatively young guy. He's 72. He ain't dealing with that shit no more. So, yeah, I, I think if someone is speculating that Deion Sanders might be a potential hire for Alabama, I think that is an unserious person because uh, yeah. that is an unserious remark. 
Yeah, I would tend to agree. I don't think prime time is the next dude there. I, I don't know who's going to be. I think it could be a number of guys. You know, there's a number of guys that I would be okay with uh, as a fan, you know. But ultimately, the last point I want to make about this before we get into the Florida State discussion is head coaches are obviously monumentally important, right? But what I have noticed in recent years is that head coaches while important, the coordinators that you have to me have become much more important because you can be a great head coach. And if you don't have the right coordinator, you just can't get over the top. I mean that you look at the staffs, you look at the staffs that Saban built, you know, like that 2015 staff that was absolutely ridiculous that had Mel Tucker, Billy Napier, Dan Lanning, all these dudes that were on the staff. He had all these crazy assistant coaches. Yeah, Mario. And yeah, Mario Cristobal. There's another one. So you look at all those names, and now you look at a guy like Tommy Reese. Nobody was really thrilled when they made the hire. A lot of people didn't like the offense this year. I know I certainly wasn't a big, huge fan of it. Um, and, you know, you bring in an old guy like Kevin Steele for a one-year filler, and he retires. So now they're looking for a new D coordinator and a new head coach, and who knows if the new head coach would even keep Tommy Reese. You know, he might bring his own coordinator with him. So you could be looking at an entire staff turnover. But to me, what coordinators you have matter quite a bit more than just the head coach because Arkansas would be my prime example. Yeah, I was going to say when when, you kind of led into this discussion, like there's some obvious examples, one being Arkansas. Um, Yeah, yeah, they had Barry Odom. The apple of everyone's eyes, and then Barry Odom left, and Kendall Bryles left, and would they go 4-8? and Yeah, so that's my point. Like you can be a great head coach, but if you can't make the good coordinator hires, then it's kind of a moot point. So Mm. that'll be the key thing to me for this hire is – like Alabama's offensive line coach. Why does that guy still have a job? They gave up 49 sacks. I, I, I don't know I, why. I, I don't have an answer for it. Because if I sucked that bad at my job, I would be shit Like the railroad would be like, bye, you suck. You know, you're fired. <laughs> but still has a job. So I, I don't know. Whoever they get is going to have to make some changes and figure out some shit. So that'll be interesting. So, I've got this pulled up on Florida State. Yep. Yeah, me too. And oh, man, these sanctions, I mean, they're I'm gonna read some of them off. Two years of probation. Yep. A two year show cause order for the assistant coach, including a suspension from the next three regular season games, a two week restriction on recruiting communication and required attendance at an NCAA rules seminar. <laughs> a restriction from off-campus recruiting during fall 2023 for that particular assistant coach. I mean, I would imagine this guy just gets shit-canned, right? Well, so it's offensive coordinator. It's Alex Atkins. Yeah, Um, so a three-year disassociation from the booster, a one-year disassociation from that particular NIL collective, $5,000 fine plus 1% of the football budget, which that's quite a bit of money, a 5% reduction in football scholarships over a two-year period, including the total reduction or amounting to five scholarships, basically reduction in paid visits for the program by seven. Uh, The school will not roll over six unused official visits from this year. 
reduction in football recruiting communications for a total of six weeks, 2023 and 2024, and the following year, and a reduction in the number of in-person recruiting days during the calendar year by six evaluation days during the fall and 18 during spring. That's a shit ton of penalties for one guy. Yeah, it's kind of a death by a thousand cuts. Um, Yeah. You know, so... I'll just read straight from Ross Dellinger's Yahoo article. Um, okay. Alex Atkins, the the offensive coordinator, found to have committed two level two violations, which include impermissible recruiting activity and facilitating impermissible contact with NIL-related booster. He is alleged to have driven a prospect and his parents to a meeting with a leading member of the school's NIL collective, Rising Spear, uh, which I... I don't want to say this for sure. Uh, I know it's not their main collective. That would be the the battle's end. I want to say the rising spear, like they merged, like one absorbed the other. The rising mm-hmm. spear might not actually even be a thing anymore. This was from spring of 2022. Okay. Um, during that meeting, according to the NCAA, the booster encouraged the prospect to enroll at Florida State and offered him an NIL opportunity with the collective worth approximately $15,000 per month during his first year at the school. Damn. So much like most of the NCAA violations that we see get sanctioned, uh, Florida State did something that I am confident almost every school does. And they just got caught. <laughs> just <laughs> somehow, some way happens to get caught. There's from, from reading this, it almost sounds like maybe it was like a self-reported deal. Um, yeah, that, that sort of seems what it's like because the uh, I don't know if it was the athletic director or maybe a compliance officer came out and said, we're happy to get closure to the situation. So apparently the investigation has been going on for a while and yeah. it was probably a self-reported thing. And so I don't know that these sanctions really set them back all that much. I, I, don't, I don't think so. I think they're manageable. I don't think it's like when Pete Carroll left USC and yeah. you think, oh, okay, it's going to be a slap on the wrist right here and there. And then they just, they just completely get stepped on. Um, yeah. yeah. Which, by so, the way, was unfair to Kiffin. I'd like to point was. that out. Um, <laughs> it was unfair to him. And he did really well considering the sanctions he was under. So. But one kind of cool nugget in this article, let me try to find it, um, that did catch my eye. It's sort of like buried way towards the bottom that I think might be the most interesting part of the whole thing and has nothing to do directly with Florida State. Um Uh, Mark Hicks, the NCAA Enforcement Managing Director for Development, told a group of administrators that the association is focused on tampering and inducements related to NIL and that they have proof that recruiting rules are being violated. The NCAA has screenshots of text messages from sitting head coaches sent directly to players competing on other college teams in attempts to get them to transfer schools. Uh, Yeah, that's going on everywhere. It is, but... If you have screenshots of the text message, like how long does it take you to, uh, and that's kind of everyone's gripe with the whole thing, right? It's like, you've, you've got these very loose, vague rules and that you, you know, in addition to them not being very specific or precise, you're also not enforcing them. Like yeah. who thinks tampering doesn't happen every, who over under 0.5 college players who are getting tampered with right now at 8:21 PM Eastern standard time on January 11th. Hmm. I'd say over. Yeah. There's got to be one. <laughs> yeah. Over. 
And uh, before we move forward, I did want to uh, comment on something. We got a comment on YouTube. Uh, let's see. What's the guy's name? John Sam on YouTube mm. commented that talks with Eric Bieniemy have intensified quickly and Saban's close relationship with Bieniemy has led Bama donors to make a significant push for him to receive the nod to replace Saban. I, I don't know how much that guy wants to go on the recruiting trail. You know. that, I will say that that is the that right there is the very first time that yeah. I've heard Eric Bieniemy's name. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know how serious of co- of a comment that is. If you're serious about that, I would say okay. But I remember I, when God, who I, was it? It was when, it was when USC fired Clay Helton. Uh, Eric mm-hmm. Bieniemy's name came up, but I remember. Yeah. So he was a running back running backs coach at Colorado and UCLA for two years apiece. Mm-hmm. And then he's been in the NFL since then, since 2004. So I personally, oh, no, I take that back. He was the offensive coordinator at Colorado for two years when they were terrible in 2011, 2012. Yeah. I think someone who's been in the NFL for the last 10 years and actually gets time off during the offseason is unlikely to take over a flagship program uh, in college football like Alabama, personally. Well, that and the fact that like he's been mentioned for multiple head coaching jobs in the NFL and he hasn't gotten one. So I don't know mm-hmm. if that's just him interviewing poorly or what the situation is because his resume in the NFL should speak to <laughs> that guy should be a head coach. You know, he's led some of the most prolific offenses in NFL history. So I don't know why you don't hire the guy uh, as the head coach in the NFL because frankly, I think he'd probably be about a better option than some of the dudes that are in the NFL today, but that's just my opinion. But, yeah, it's weird to see him get passed over and then the same like retreads keep going. Right. But oh, okay. This guy who won 52% of his games at the other place, let me bring him in so he can win 52% of his games here and right. I can fire him in three years. <laughs> yeah. So I, I look at that as like, eh. I don't think he's going to go to college and get into the recruiting game because that's just a different animal. You don't, you don't, I mean, being an offensive coordinator in the NFL and being a head coach at Alabama, it's like night and day. <laughs> that's, yeah. It's a whole, the, it's a whole nother animal. The, the list of guys who have found success at both the NFL and college level in the last 30 years, I think maybe boils down to one guy named Pete Carroll. And that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. I would tend to agree. So, uh, back to the Florida State conversation uh, mm. again. I, I don't think it's going to set them back too much. I, I don't look at it like that's a death blow. That's really going to hurt them. Transfer portal basically annuls the fact that they can't go and recruit for five extra visits. I mean, he can get right. a transfer in there just as quick, if not quicker, and prop the guy yeah. can probably play and be as effective as a true freshman who's going to show up, you know? So, yeah. And it might, you know, it might be slightly problematic, you know, down the road, um, you know, in, in two years where it's like, man, I, I don't want to lean so hard in the portal, but now I got to do it because I'm down, you know, three freshmen from two classes ago or whatever. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't, not, not a huge deal. It certainly shouldn't affect them this season. Um, the other thing they got going on as far as potentially losing their head coach, obviously, is a bigger deal for 2024 Florida State. Yeah. Personally, I think he sticks around, but we'll see what happens. I think it'll be interesting. And uh, if you're still watching with us, we appreciate you. Please subscribe to the show. Keeps us interested. and keeps us wanting to come back and do this. We have a good time doing it, but uh, we always like to engage with fans and uh, 
you know, we're fans ourselves. So we like to engage and, you know, make funny reels and comment with you guys and argue about them when you get pissed off at them. It's always fun. So, and I make those reels, by the way, if you want to come at me on Twitter, Jason Bailey 47, if you want to come at Eric, yeah, for leave whatever me alone. Reason, I just share yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. If you want to come at Eric, it's at Eric Mulhair on Twitter. You can find our show at South End Zone Pod. That's YouTube, TikTok, uh, Instagram, here and uh, Twitter. And uh, yeah, like I said, we're going to be adding some new talent to the show starting next week. And uh, so we're excited about that. And uh, Eric, what are we talking about next week beside who maybe Alabama potentially hires? Are we going to get into the win total recaps? I think. Oh, probably. And I'm, I'm assuming um, that they will have someone by the time we record on, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday or depending on Miles's basketball schedule, probably. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Miles is his kid for you listeners out there who don't watch the show that often. Yeah. I, I think he made an appearance once. I think he tried to sneak in. Uh, <laughs> that might have been before we were streaming. Uh, yeah, I think that was before we were live. I'm I'm assuming that Alabama will have a new head coach named well before then. So that'll obviously be a topic we'll discuss. Um Yeah. And then maybe depending on who it is, uh talk about who someone else might be oh my looking God. for, right? Yeah, that's I, a I great mean, point. Shit, if the, it's the if domino it chain up, may just yeah. be starting. So Yeah, that's true. And not to mention you've got all this crazy shit with coaches going on in the NFL, guys like Carroll and Belichick. I mean, it's just Twitter is an absolute meltdown right now. Yeah, it's, of, it's tough to keep up because just like, man, scrolling through is like, okay, <laughs> don't care about the Seahawks. Don't care about the Seahawks. Don't care about the Patriots. And, you know, trying to figure out like yeah, uh, the, the landing thing, really. But anyway, yeah, yeah uh, probably some win totals, uh, depending between now and then. Like, we'll have to figure out. We, we do now that. All the games have been played. We do owe some uh, some postmortem analysis on our picks. Indeed, yeah. I went five hundred on the year, forty four and forty four, and I think you were just under five hundred, maybe like four or five games under five hundred on the year. Let me look. I can't remember. I think you were like five or six games under five hundred. Something, something. I have them all. There. Like our final records, all tallied up. Let's see here. Yeah. Because I, I know I went 44 and 44 in the regular season. and maybe Oh, yeah, the picks, yeah. So win totals, you went 38 and 31. Ah, okay. And I was I was two two picks behind you, 36 and 33. All right. Man, won the win totals and the picks this year. Yeah. Boom. Get you some yeah. of that. Yeah, we. I'll be excited. Get, I'll be excited to see what Allie's picks are this offseason. And it's yeah, I got to review the tape and get that fixed. Can't have. That. <laughs> well, like I say, uh, Allie will be on with us next week, and uh, we're excited to have her. And we'll uh, be excited to get her picks this offseason and get some hot takes from her because man, she had some hot takes that Michigan fans might not like. And so I can't wait to hear some more of that. Oh, this they'll just have to go ahead and get over it. Do you think? <laughs> do you think Jim Harbaugh is the coach at Michigan by the time we talk next? Uh, maybe. I mean, he was in an interview That's like on five national. Five days away. Yeah, he was on in an interview on National Signing Day last year. So I, I don't know that an NFL team wouldn't wait that long again. Well, it's two, two years, but yeah, you're right. Two years, yeah. So it, it wouldn't shock me uh, if it goes that long into the process. I mean, they, you know, they, they, these guys, these NFL teams vet a lot of coaches, so we'll see. Yeah, but just, there's a couple that have been open 
right? That, that didn't just like happen yesterday. Uh, yeah. You know, guys who, who got fired well before the season ended. Uh, I think a lot of homework has happened. I'm, I think I might be surprised if he's not the head coach of the chargers or Raiders, by this time next week. Yeah, with the Bears keeping their head coach, that kind of took them out of the race for me. I thought that was where he was going to end up, was the Bears. But now I think the Chargers are the betting favorite in Vegas to for Harbaugh. So we'll see what happens. But that is going to wrap us up for the week. We appreciate you guys joining us. And uh, like I said, feel free to subscribe to the show via podcast or here on YouTube. And we will be back with you guys with our new third talent uh, we're so excited about that. Be back with you guys sometime next week because, well, it's the off season and we don't have to come to you guys on a specific day. So yep. we'll uh, try to come to you on like a Tuesday or Wednesday like normal, but we'll see. So until then, catch you guys later on. Thank you very much. Have a great day.